Hello and welcome back. This is the 36th episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me this month to talk about discipline and the practice of making music a career is German DJ and producer, Tini. Although she never intended to make it her profession, Tini has always loved music. At home in Munich, she learned to mix early on and quickly fell in love with electronic music. At the time, she worked in television, balancing her work and her passion until she was ready to take the leap into pursuing DJing full-time. Since then, she's become an artist in her own right, putting out several releases and even starting her now infamous event series, Teeny and the Gang. Despite over 20 years in the game, Teeny's approach to DJing remains deeply passionate and undeniably focused. In this conversation, we discuss her musical roots, her dedication to her craft, and the discipline required to succeed in this industry. for joining me really excited to have you on the podcast thank you for having me i saw you had so many great people before in your <laughs> podcast and yeah i'm happy to to be able to join perfect so i'm gonna start kind of way back here um okay. and i know that growing up you first took an interest in djing because your brother and his friends were like into hip-hop um so i'd love to know a bit about how exactly you learned to mix like did you teach yourself and what was that process like for you The process was actually, well, it definitely started with my brother and uh, the friends because they all bought uh, 1210 Technics turntables. <laughs> and we had a record collection at home and I was buying vinyl quite early, from a quite early age on. I remember, I think one of the first vinyl was Groovis in the Heart from Delight. <laughs> I still have that, like a little seven inch. And we had the turntables at home And of course you start, yeah, you start playing the records and we had the mixer. They were more into DJ, um, like battle mixing, mm -hmm. scratching and tournament. My brother was okay. also in, in, the, in the ITF tournament and they were like super obsessed. So there wasn't so much free time in the decks, but <laughs> whenever they were away or to stone, <laughs> I, uh, I took over the decks and yeah, I was um, teaching myself, I would say. I think I'm lucky I have a feeling for rhythm, mm. probably from my dad, mm -hmm. who used to play the drums in, in bands quite a lot and taught me the drums super, super early. So mm. I can't read notes or anything, <laughs> but like I know how to, to move to make a proper beat. Same with the DJing. I was just feeling it in there. There was no, no really schooling or anything like what is what. It's just mm. it was always how I felt it and we had uh, usually for the for the battle mixing you have two times the same record okay so you can do like the beat juggling <laughs> and I was m practicing my mixing skills by making two records flange so you have okay. them exactly at the same speed of course not in zero so in the beginning in the, in the beginning in zero <laughs> and then later I started moving around in the pitch and always would manage to have the two vinyl in the exact same uh, tempo and that yeah I, I, i would have never thought that that's gonna be helpful for my yeah. job later on yeah <laughs> i mean it's funny because i think nearly like every dj that i've spoken to has the same kind of story of how they learned to dj 
Um, obviously because there's not like DJ school for when you're younger or whatever. Like if you're learning piano, you'd have like a piano teacher or something like that. So how do you think that that sort of like collaborative or like community aspect, learning with your brother and his friends, do you think that that changed the way that you learned? Did it make it more special to kind of have your brother involved in what you were doing? Um, I would say yes, because it was really nice whenever I was like uh, mixing by myself and practicing and they came back and we were all hanging out. I was like, okay, I, I show you what I learned. <laughs> and it was nice because I got some little tricks also. I learned a little bit of scratching and there was always an inclusion. They always helped me and there was mm. like now also my brother is so proud. He stopped DJing a long time ago. And he sees where I'm at and he comes to my show sometimes. And yeah, looking looking back to that, it was definitely helping a lot. And we were super close together, showing records to each other. And mm. back then it was all like the, the 90s, um, yeah, East and West Coast hip hop. <laughs> like the old school classics. I still have all of them. I have the whole collection in my house. And yeah, it, it helped a lot. For me, it's always, I'm not a trooper by myself. I love I love mm. a group. I love being social and I love exchanging skills or experience. And we didn't have any YouTube back then or mm -hmm. like even <laughs> I mean I'm not that old. I'm 40. I'm 40. So yeah. is that kind of community sort of feel to it like are you I don't know nowadays like t taking a young DJ under your wing and like showing them showing them what you know like kind of bringing that sort of full full circle a little bit. Um, or have you if, in the past? If I can, I mean, nowadays, the new generation, they're so skilled and talented. It's, yeah. it's insane. Like there's a whole new range of selectors and diggers and they they worked on their skill incredibly. It feels more that I can learn from other people, yeah. I think. I'm super open to that. I would never go out and say like, okay, here, come, I, I, I show you some yeah. tricks because I don't know if I'm a good teacher at all. I'm very impatient. <laughs> But um, of course, I give advice if someone asks me for it. So throughout the years now, it's next year, 12 years, Teeny and the gang. Mm -hmm. And the gang is exactly that thing, mm -hmm. what I love, the community. And there, there was often moments where I had to give advice, where I've been asked, okay, how, not ne necessarily for technical skills, rather for the whole business or how to mm. approach or or how to learn to be a good warm-up DJ and all of these things. And I went through all these stages mm -hmm. throughout my career, I would say. And in the beginning, like many years, I was just doing the warm-up and I loved it. I think it's one of the most important and great uh, uh, best DJ sets of the night because it has a lot to give. So whenever I could give any advice to, to any youngster or older, whoever started <laughs> and, and wanted to know, I'm happy to, to, to give advice and to help. But like opening a school or something maybe later I thought yeah. about it I would totally do that I think I've seen and learned a lot and I'm always happy to share with everything with music with skills with possibilities to play that's mm -hmm. also the whole idea of the gang thing I guess you don't get to warm up very often anymore though that's not true because <laughs> because I put myself into the warm-up slots in my own party in Ibiza very often mm. so I invite DJs that usually don't get to play at, at underground or wherever we host a party. So oftentimes I like to actually give myself that warm up slot mm -hmm. and I know how to build up the night due to this. People come earlier also to see that. And then my guest has an amazing time after and just can take over mm. and kill it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's still happening and I still enjoy it. Also, sometimes with the bigger DJs, when I get booked like for the, for the big shows in Ibiza or something, like every year 
since 2006, Carl Cox books me for his uh, night in Ibiza. Mm. And there, of course, I do the warm up. Yeah. So it's, it's still <laughs> happening and I still enjoy it. I still have my, my records for that time as well. So going back to you sort of teaching yourself how to mix, uh, do you feel that you maybe had to have a bit more discipline in order to really succeed or excel because you didn't have like a person holding you to your goals and skills? Like you didn't have like a teacher assigning you your homework. You just had to kind of be the one to make yourself practice and get better. The funny thing is I never planned on getting better <laughs> or I never had a plan ahead of me. So I really fell into all of this DJ world and it, it be my passion became my job and my whole life. So nowadays I would say I definitely need discipline. But back then I was just enjoying what I did and I didn't really practice or or anything at home it came very natural and everything happened super fast because of the hip-hop days when later i moved on to electronic music i already knew how to mix and match a beat from my flanging days <laughs> and so it was more about the focus for music but i didn't know what i was looking for mm -hmm. so in the beginning i had a few gigs and then it went very fast i got my own night in munich teeny all night long and back then I didn't play any CDs and I didn't know how that works. So I played vinyl and I wasn't sure if I have enough vinyl for a whole night. So I was like calculating <laughs> more or less and it was my start. So I went to the to the record stores. I was like, wow, okay, I need I need more music because if I play the whole night, what am I gonna do? And in the first night it just was all right. I started playing some B-sides, but I, I freestyled and it was it was great. But yeah, being so careless, not careless, but being carefree, so maybe. carefree, <laughs> exactly. Being so carefree, um, that was more easy in the beginning when you have nothing to lose mm -hmm. and you don't even know where you're going. Mm -hmm. So I think that changes with the amount of years you stay in that career and mm -hmm. or how you, how you build up your career and where you are or where you want to be or if you want to sustain or not. You mentioned that you had your own night. Like, how did you know that you were ready for that? I did not. I was not. I was not ready. They literally threw me in there. And I maybe mean, that's the best way to just throw yourself in. Yeah, totally. I, I was, well, I was, do you say that I was hurt by some friends? I, some friends hurt me, let's say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hurt me playing and they were super surprised and they were running this club and they just invited me for some warm-up set in the beginning and people were loving it and and right away requesting for me to play again and they said like hey why not just try that that full-on confidence in me which mm. then made me also feel like okay i guess i'm ready mm. and it worked out amazing so that was i think the craziest school ever dj wise also you just learn how to create a full night by yourself so of course you're not gonna start banging i learned how to play a warm-up because I wanted to leave some <laughs> some energy moments for the rest of the night and uh -huh. so I started somehow thinking for the first time like how to create a night or not but never planned anything from my records like I never in my life I, I planned a DJ set maybe mm. sometimes for a podcast you pick your selection and of course you pack your bag when you leave but until now I, I have my music and I know my music but I don't plan any anything around it so there I, I just realized that I was ready by literally living it in the moment I'm mm. like wow okay this is this is crazy and it was f sold out every time and <laughs> I was like okay this DJ thing is awesome <laughs> <laughs>
that was nearly 20 years ago. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do you look back on the kind of DJ that you were at that time? Like, how do you remember those days? Like, in between the gigs, were you digging loads for tunes, like spending a lot of time on it? Or were you just kind of throwing yourself in? Both, actually, because same same story. I didn't know where I'm going to end one day, but I knew that I loved playing so much and and what it was giving to me and i think if you ask people from the past like toby neumann for example who saw me in the early days he's also from munich he would always describe me as a flummy the ball you throw on the floor and just bounces back up like he said like all you could always see was your hair and you're bouncing around and so energetic and just living your best life behind the deck i think i still do that Sometimes my lower back hurts too much, so I can't bounce around. But I was definitely going a lot to the record stores, but I was so intimidated because I didn't know anyone. And I went to all kind of record stores, had actually no clue. I didn't even know really what was what genre. So I had to learn all of this by myself because I was usually the only girl in the record store. And it mm. took a long time until people were actually like, hey, okay, she's coming back every week yeah. and she spends a lot of <laughs> her money here buying the most random records. I bought everything, everything where I liked a little piece and I, I didn't know yet. And I tried it in the club and mm. most of the time it works. But it was it was also so new for me. There was no mentor. There was no YouTube. There was no school for it. So I just was learning by doing. I back then was working already. Yeah, I, I was working already. So I had full time job as an editor. I was mm. working for, for Disney Channel back then. And so it was not that I was Monday till Friday all day in bed or in a record store digging. I spent my time working during the week and whenever I had time, shop for records. And then on the weekends, in the beginning, was not every weekend booked, of course, but then with the time. So I found a middle ground to, to handle everything. And so do you feel like these days you spend more time devoting yourself to this craft? I think it's in waves also because... For me, it's also a creative process somehow, like the same with making music. I'm not always in the headspace, but this morning I woke up and at 5.50 because it was so bright and I put out my computer and I started going on Discogs and it was all day, all day <laughs> just like <laughs> looking for new music and I was so excited. I found new stuff and there's sometimes days where I don't find anything and then I'm frustrated and don't look at it for a few days or don't go mm. to the record store. Now with the pandemic, finally we can go again but there was also a long time there was no casual record store hanging mm. and your friends or owners give you a recommendation or anything <laughs> but i do i do spend a lot of time on what is now my life definitely and not only a job or or like it's more than a passion it's it's mm. it's everything right now i would totally say that i spend time on it in waves mm. sometimes to the very extreme and then i need my week or something off mm -hmm, from it mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. to to disconnect also a little bit and where i spend more time with indie music then for example so before we sat down we were talking about the interview that i did with nicholas lutz uh and i actually asked him this question also and i kind of feel like i maybe know your answer but i'm gonna ask you anyway um so i'd love to know your take on this do you feel like there's a distinction between djing as a hobby and djing as a career like i imagine for you because you just kind of got sort of thrown into it quite quickly that maybe there was not really a moment where it was like, now it's a career. Well, actually there was somehow this moment. I mean, it all was very fast and developing, but I was having my full-time job 
for quite some time when I already started um, DJing every weekend, I think it, it came more and more like Mondays. I was dead at work. No <laughs> one was able to talk to me. I had to wait. And then Tuesday I was extra fast and edited. <laughs> I had to edit two children's series per week. And then like the whole energy had to go into the rest of the week because Friday usually I had to leave again. So there was a moment where I realized, okay, now I can't do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be financially independent. So what I what I mean with this is I didn't want to depend on any gigs just to survive so mm -hmm. that I would take gigs that I that, that I don't like, see yeah. or wouldn't like. So I wanted to make sure that I can stand on my feet from the DJ career. So I stretched it out as long as possible and did both, saved a little bit of money that way and then when I when I did the f it felt like a free fall at first where I said okay I'm gonna quit my job I'm gonna do this full full time mm -hmm. there was this moment and it was scary and I know how my mother was also like she knew that I love this <laughs> and I must be good in it and and because even in Munich there was like little newspaper articles and she was proud <laughs> cut them out so she knew it was not like something trashy that I do in someone's cellar for her I remember she's like oh, are you sure I'm like listen I'm <laughs> working like as of the past few years like really doing both and I think it's I'm time. I think yeah. I'm ready and I really want it I love it it's I feel it in all my body and my soul and it's it's calling me and it found me somehow like mm -hmm. I didn't look for it it found me and it, it would have been crazy not to follow that path mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so are you continuing to like, I don't want to say train or practice, but like, is there a kind of something that you have to do in order to kind of keep your s skills at the level that they are? Or is it just like passion for music is enough to sort of keep you at this level? I think practicing is the wrong word. It's more like you need to, to stay in contact, of course, with the matter and with, with everything. Keep on listening to your records or mm. learn your records somehow and, and know your music. But I'm not DJing at home like I like sometimes for fun for my girlfriend playing at home <laughs> <laughs> while we're like just hanging out. But it's not that I'm like, oh, my God, I need to 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 practice. So the weekend's going to be good because with the pandemic, I took a proper break and I needed it also. I wanted it. And there was a long period where I didn't touch any vinyl mm. listening. Yes, but not playing <laughs> at all. The other day or the other week, I, I had my first proper long gig again where I played eight hours with my friend Tunic and there I I was from the first record it was it's it's like bike well, yeah bike I was gonna riding say like riding a bike somehow. yeah <laughs> and yeah it sounds always so stupid but it's just something that I did so many hours of my life and and where I feel so home and so comfortable behind the decks not always <laughs> sometimes <laughs> very insecure but just with the turntables and myself, I think this is something that will always work out for me without practicing. I hope so. So before pursuing music full time, you mentioned already that you worked in television um, and you previously said in other interviews that having this sort of nine to five work ethic like really helped you transition into having a career in, in DJing. So do you, do, you, do you feel like DJing is a job for you? Like, is it work? Oh, no, I think the work is, is it sounds stupid. The work is t the travel, I would say, mm. and dealing with all the policies around it and, and organization. But uh, luckily you have agencies for that to help <laughs> you. <laughs> but I would I can't call it a job, although it probably is because mm. I'm I'm living off from what I'm doing. So that most likely would be considered a job. 
but I don't know. I had usually I was lucky. I had jobs that I liked, so I don't associate having a job with something I don't like. So right. maybe I can have a job and like <laughs> it. So I think I'm I'm pretty lucky in this case. It is a job that I love, but it's more than that. It's mm. it's yeah, like I said before, it's my passion. It's it's something I I can't imagine my life without anymore. You also said uh, in a past interview that I was reading that every time you play, you feel like you're learning something new just through the act of DJing. Um, can you speak a bit about that? Like, do you still feel that way today that when you're playing out, you're always kind of observing things and picking things up and learning learning as you go along? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm an observer and <laughs> I love to analyze things also. Apart from letting things flow and, and having it naturally happen, there's also, I just see, hear, feel everything. It's a little bit of the uh, HSP side, I would say. <laughs> so... I think it's it would be sad if there was nothing anymore that could uh, uh, surprise me or mm. excite me. So it still happens all the time. And I also love to play back to back sets for that reason, because you, mm. you interact with another person. And I love to to adapt to another person's flow. And, and when the other person has the same idea, you get it back and and then you kind of see their way of 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 transitioning music or or tracks or or styles of mixing so i still love to to listen to other djs and see what they're doing with the energy in the room because it's it's so much more than just the technique or the records you play and i heard this also nico saying and i was like wow he says so many things i can relate <laughs> to because you can have the best record in the wrong moment so it's it's mm. not about playing that record and mix it perfectly it's like you have to know when so learning which moments which sizes on what sound system with what kind of people at what hour of the day is it, is it bright is it dark is it what mood are you in it's also as a DJ, I think like I'm super emotional and very in vibration with my surrounding somehow. Uh-huh. And we all can have a bad day. And when I say a bad day is maybe where you can't connect with yourself and you don't get into the zone or into the flow. So I guess there's obviously like, I don't want to keep saying the word discipline, but obviously there's a, a bit of discipline involved in that process of like learning each time and paying attention to what you're doing and paying attention to the kind of story that you're telling. And as you said, like reading the room and reading yourself. Um, but is there also a moment where you just have to kind of let go of everything that you're trying to like, you know, tell this story and just let it happen? Okay, maybe I said it a little bit wrong because while I'm <laughs> while I'm actually playing, this this analyzing is not happening. Usually, I and my friends know that, or everyone who's who's <laughs> coming with me or is around me is like they describe it as a vacuum. I'm in my little bubble. bubble yeah. And I might turn around and cheers or whatever, but I, I don't want to communicate or anything, have to talk or anything, or, or I get really lost in that moment. And I think that's for me the absolute Zen state. And there's totally, this is for me, this is how I would describe med- meditation. Mm. I'm not good in meditate or I, I try <laughs> it. I don't know if it can be good or bad, but I have a hard time meditating in, in, in normal life because my mind starts flipping. And that's mm. what I mean with the analyzing that uh, there's, there will always be a thought or like, oh, I could this do da, 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 da. But while I play, it's it's the music in me and it's it's without thinking like it's uh, in, in some special nights. It's really the record find itself. Mm. And I said that a few times, I think already, but it's it's this this magic that you can't describe to anyone. So when my dad asked me, what is it about? Like, why is this DJing so important for you? You just 
mixing two tracks into each other. <laughs> that's what you do in the end of the day. I'm like, yeah, well, that's a very easy way, easy take on it. It's so much more. And I think everyone who plays music or was in a special night where you felt, okay, these two tracks not only create a third one, but also the energy of each track and the whole, the energy of the people, the energy of, of the DJ, everything starts coming together and create a whole new dimension. It's, mm. it's really, I think DJing can be super spiritual. I mean, for some it sounds cheesy, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what you think. No, um, it is really, yeah, I think whoever goes out and loves electronic music or any kind of music, I think you can have this experience also in a rock concert. But this, this, the certain moment of flow where nothing matters, there's no time existent, and it's, it's just, it's just happening, and you just are. Mm. That's super powerful. So, what about when you play a really, really long set? Like, for example, I know you've talked about this a million times, but your 30, 31 hour back to back with Bill Patrick at Sunways, I was actually there and it was great. Awesome. Um, so, that was like all anybody could talk about at the time. So, can you explain a bit about how that came together and like what was it like when you were playing? Was, were you in that zone moment for 31 hours? So we didn't know that we are going to play that long. We had no idea what our slot or like we, we knew our set time start, but we had no idea about the end. So we didn't know they didn't plan on having an, no end for us. So we started playing and Bill and I, sometimes we have this connection that we become one person. So we have that flow even with each other, like the, the music just comes and it's almost like his record bag wants to meet mine mm. and hang out together <laughs> and create something. I don't know when we got in, but it was in the beginning. It's always I'm nervous. He's, I'm super nervous always when I start playing, like I need at least half an hour. Probably I can't talk before I'm getting really mm. anxious. So he's a little bit more relaxed but also he needs this little okay now I feel comfy and there's always this one moment I think where you know okay it clicks now for yourself mm. or for the back to back and I don't remember it was super far like I think we had no trouble getting in and we had such a full dance floor so all the time I mean mm -hmm. people were going to sleep and then coming back <laughs> some, some stayed 31 hours I got messages from people who really stayed for the whole journey yeah. impressive <laughs> was one of these moments where I learned from another person I I don't know how he did it but it was a certain way how Bill was playing his record and I looked at him and I felt how he was creating like a little bit more depth and room with this somehow I don't know it was it was really really crazy I think I never told him this actually mm -hmm. and I was like wow okay I want to try that too so it was like this like I got into this like very like mixing way like very careful like sometimes I'm a little bit more rough like, mm -hmm. like <laughs> banging out there but I, I started being like more how would you say like um I don't know ca not careful but precise like, maybe. yeah precise and, and and try to we, we eased in in that flow somehow and then mm. it started just like building up and building up and it, it didn't matter what tracks we were playing well oh. somehow yeah. yes <laughs> okay <laughs> 
somehow somehow it mattered but it was it was just those tracks they, they told a whole different story in in the greater sense mm. and that was that was incredible and there we we had to zone for so long that's why we didn't <laughs> stop if there would have been a moment where i'm like okay now like ah i don't know what to play or where is this going where is he playing we never stopped the one-on-one -on -one. so i went mm. to, to to the toilet only three times in this 31 hours <laughs> Because I was so into it, like, so yeah. I, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to miss the moment. I didn't want to have the moment where one has to play two records or three because the other one's missing. So mm. he made it a point also to be present. And we, we kept that energy that we built up. Both of you, and it was sure. like up and up, like a little bit more, a little bit more. And it, it was just so, so there for us. I mean, you were there. I don't know how <laughs> it, it didn't just feel for us like that. <laughs> you never know. We we're like, it was amazing. They were like, yeah, they were hyped. No. <laughs> It was, <laughs> it was really feeling special, and we had we were just looking at each other, and we couldn't stop smiling. And I was dancing like the complete thirty hours because in the last hour someone brought a bar stool, and I sat on it. That I was remember. Kind of and I was like, "Wow, that's that's granny wives now." But it's okay after that amount of time. And at some I mean, point, yeah. they brought. A, I remember they brought a piece of pizza, and I was like, "Oh wow, yeah, that's a great idea." And then I crushed immediately after two bites, and I'm like. We have to stop it because it, it felt like someone put a needle into the bubble mm. for me. I don't know if it was the same for Bill, but he also completely agreed. He's like, you're so right. And and Topper was there and we turned around and he was like, hey, if you want. <laughs> we're like, yes, I think because it's good I, to end it on a high. Though, yeah. And we, we didn't know until 26 hours or so that we were entering like, a marathon oh because we turned around we're like okay wait we started it was dark and then it was daylight and it was dark and daylight. <laughs> and i remember joanna from from sunrise was behind us like dancing and i turn around i'm like listen i'm really confused but because i don't i don't i don't have my phone when i play so i had no idea like i had, mm -hmm. I had no watch i had no time and i turn around and i said how, how long are we playing and she's like six hours and I couldn't believe I'm like, yeah, right, like, ha, ha. like how is this possible but yeah that was one of the most magical back-to-backs and where time did not exist and mm. it was just this this whole mm. magical thing for me um well I was gonna ask you if it felt hard to sort of stay focused after a certain number of number of hours like you know when you turned around and asked how long you'd been playing and it was 26 hours like were you kind of like I don't know. Was there a moment where you like, oh my god, what like, what am I gonna do next, kind of thing? Or I think it really just happened towards the end. I was more like, oh my god, I don't want like, I don't want to stop because it was it was such a ride. Mm. And and with Bill, sometimes you might see him more serious behind the deck. He's smiling inside. I can tell you that <laughs> he's a really funny guy. But there, like, I saw him also. He was so like just dancing, waving the arms, and having a good time. And we just we, we we didn't run out of tracks. I I brought so many records, and then I also had USB, so mm. there was no point of like oh I played all my favorite songs because yeah, there was yeah, so yeah. many more. And and of course I was generally preparing my bag before Sunwaves and mm. and bringing my favorite music. So I was excited for every record, and a lot of records have great B sides. So <laughs> I knew I could play these too, and I had the, the digital backup. And I was just and I didn't want it to stop because that bubble that we created it felt so comfortable. I felt like it was like going around the dance floor, whoever was there and 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 with us. It, it felt like family somehow. Mm. I know that sounds really <laughs> cheesy, probably, but it was it was such a it was such a warm moment and I didn't want it 
to end but at some point yeah towards the end it, it got also really crazy because if you're that sleep deprived at some point like everything starts getting a little bit trippy <laughs> <laughs> and it was never a problem to mix or anything but at some point i was like wow i feel like i'm entering another dimension <laughs> right now yeah i think we we stopped at, at the perfect time i wonder if it would have been different if you had known like if they had said okay Come to Sunwaves, you're going to play 31 hours. What do you think that would have been like? Oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> after everyone was like, oh, no, you're going to do it again. I'm like, hell no, never again in my life. This is this is something that could only happen because it wasn't planned. There's mm. these things that if, if you would have known, then you would have been okay. I, what music do I need for this? And it would have been mm. all a little bit stiff. You need to plan out. Oh, my God, there's still 30 hours left or still 20 <laughs> hours left or still 10 hours left, which is pretty <laughs> unusual in a normal DJ life. So that would have made it super stressful, I think. If I would have known before, it would have. I don't think it would have been so magical, mm -hmm. no. And I probably wouldn't have made it that far. Is it important for you to keep an open mind about these things and just kind of like, you know, let let things happen sometimes and just sort of be open to taking a massive risk like playing a 31-hour set? I love it. I mean, I'm always in for the spontaneous things in general. Also in my life, I, I love spontaneity. I like I like to go with the flow because there are times where you really just know you're on the right path by the way you meet people or yeah, it can apply to, to everything. There's moments where things are a little bit out of the flow and stuck. And maybe in those times I would take less risks and maybe stay a little bit more in my comfort zone, but that's mm. very rare. Usually I like to really see what's out there, what's coming, who do I meet, where does that bring me? Like if someone said, did I meet in the night? Like, come on, let's go to that location or wherever. Like that's just a random club example now, <laughs> but it applies to everything. So I, I love to, to see what's coming up and what's, what's like, I trust the journey quite well, I would say. So when was the last time you took a big leap like that and just tried something totally different, whether that's like in your musical performances or in your regular life or in your career as a DJ? I think just recently with the song that um, now came out for, for Circo Loco, it's a bit different style than what I would usually produce. You would totally find that style in my sets. I love, I love to pick the 80s in the middle of a track <laughs> and throw something in there or at least in that direction. I must say really relieving that I did that it was I was a bit nervous what the feedback's gonna be from the outside and it has been nothing but super super beautiful actually people were like wow this is such a nice side of you and mm -hmm. I got messages uh, from my friend Morgan she's like wow I feel like this is the, the real the true you and, and I can feel you so much through that song it like it feels like a direct connection to who you are or, mm. or what we see in you like it's it's super beautiful 
so that feedback was awesome and i took a, it was not a risk but it was like okay let's break some norms it was trying something new and because i had no idea of what i was doing that, that song happened super fast the idea was um there so so fast and then i met my my friend jack who's the singer i met him in new york when i was in the pandemic last year and i didn't even know his music so I think a week or two after the, the, the song was written or made, mm -hmm. uh, my girlfriend was like, oh, maybe you should check out uh, Jack's music. It's kind kind of similar because it's like this 80s synth pop mm -hmm. wave. And I heard it. I was like, wow, his voice is so mm -hmm. nice. And I sent him the track and he sent it back with those vocals. And I totally would say this this song is, is not my song and his vocals. is his vocals and my song or at least equally like one can't be without the other. And that was super special for me to see, okay, I'm, I'm not planning anything and I'm not caring about what other people might think. I just do it and I just follow it and it, it was worth it. Is it rare to find someone that you work with like that where you just can send them something and they send something back and it just somehow fits perfectly and it all just works out in the end? Yeah, well, I haven't tried this so much before because usually I work the other way around. I love to have the vocals and I... I in the process of making music I work around the vocals that I already have or I play around with it and usually it's like it's like falling into place with e with each other so I, I rarely work that way that I first make a track and send it now but now I want to try that more often actually mm -hmm. also also with Jack and mature by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little promotion for him here he's <laughs> awesome so I want to want to try that more often so I can't really say if it's if it's difficult in that moment the flow was on on our side so I'd like to talk a bit more about your time in the studio does your production work also sort of follow this format of like you need the discipline of like going in and doing the work but also you need to have that balance of letting things just happen and flow a little bit I totally need the balance of letting flow and also yeah, there's uh, such thing as creative blockages. Mm. And in the past, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, it was just so in, in the flow. And now everything sounds the same or like, shit, I don't like it. Or I start something and then I stop right away. Or But then now I learned, I just let it. If it's a week, it's a week. If it's two weeks, so mm. sometimes up to a few months where I'm like, okay, completely out. But then when I restart again, you can't get me off the studio <laughs> anymore. And I'm just like over and over and I had it just now in the in the pandemic in the studio after I, I had after I had the COVID I was finally <laughs> able to go in the studio again and I was just from morning till night recording 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 like every instrument I could find everything I wouldn't <laughs> stop and I started like I don't know three four songs a day didn't finish any of them yet. <laughs> Of course, it's a balance. It's a balance. So, but yeah, and that there was it was just so much coming out, and I was so excited, and and I don't know where this inspiration came from, but I think it was because I because I let myself rest. Yeah. So the more I force myself, I think a lot of people know this from themselves. Like if you really force yourself into something, you kind of get in this uh, barrier mode. It's the resistance that builds up, especially if you want to force yourself. So also there it applies. If you just let it go, it will come back to you mm. if you trust the process <laughs> once again. 
so yeah, I had a I had some times throughout the COVID times or, or lockdown where I wanted to make music because I thought that's what everyone does. Everyone who can travel and is at home with, with music equipment should make music. Not should, but I thought, oh God, everyone's doing it. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. I should do it too. Let's say it like that. And it didn't work for me. I tried it a little bit. I made some music and I was like, no, I'm actually so happy about this break right now. And I will take it as it is. And it's coming right now in a time when I will just enjoy doing nothing and not mm. forcing myself into anything, not forcing myself into digging. There was some time where I really also disconnected from everything, from electronic music even. It was a bit scary because I, I didn't do this before. But I needed it. And now I feel like, oh, that was very... nourishing somehow do you also have to kind of i don't know remind yourself a little bit that it's okay if you know if you have a, if you're going into the studio and you want to make a certain track and then it kind of takes its own direction and goes somewhere else and it becomes something that you didn't know it was going to be like do you also have to sometimes remind yourself like that's okay it's okay to like not follow the plan that you had oh i can say that my <laughs> life is never following any plan that i had literally every project in in my my computer when i work and start something new has then a new name with a new melody on top of the old beats and then I record something else on top of it and then I completely get lost and what I originally had I forget and sometimes I find it years later and then mm. start working and that okay, again so maybe the opposite then maybe you have to remind yourself to like rein things in a little actually, bit actually <laughs> yeah I, I think um, the problem is to finish things for me I have to really, that's where I could use more discipline, I think, <laughs> where I should be more disciplined and set myself like a certain time frame of, of when to finish. But I will find ways to trick myself and then do the opposite. Like I'm, I'm always in this internal conflict somehow. I gave up on giving myself deadlines and, and um, forcing myself into. And for example, that, that last release, there was no deadline or anything and it happened so fast that song was just like coming out of me and it was there and I knew it was finished and I knew that that well before the vocals but like I knew that's it and there's nothing m that I should do more but I have many many songs yeah it feels like a never-ending story so <laughs> you could always improve something and and I'm a super perfectionist sometimes mm -hmm. also and workaholic I'm a great combination of everything <laughs> that's stressful <laughs> really stressful so yeah um i totally never follow my plan <laughs> so i was reading an interview of yours where you were talking about your first release which was on desolate um and it was called that's right and you said that it felt like a really big boost of confidence for you because you realized that other people were hearing what you were doing and appreciating it and loving listening to your music and it, you realized it like wasn't just you at home alone making your music for nobody. Um, can you speak a bit about what it was like to kind of realize that you weren't sort of alone in your own bubble uh, of music? Oh, it was it was pretty crazy actually because I was making music since long time. We had like these little programs that was called drums when I was I think like six or seven years old and you could only put a one or a two and you could never put two ones in 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 the row after each other like each row was like a like an instrument so you could create very simple beats and could never save it <laughs> I, I wish <laughs> I knew what I did back then but I, I was playing around <laughs> with music and in the moment where 
I had a release and it was the track and I, I didn't have a studio back then. I had Logitech speakers, like the, <laughs> the PC with the with the bass with the bass cube and the, the regulation for the bass, which always sounded horrible. But I produced that in, in the kitchen. So it was awesome. And it was ideas, it was little samples. I played around and all of a sudden that thing was on a vinyl. That's right. sending me videos still loving the track still playing <laughs> it and yeah that was that was definitely a great moment it was like wow okay i i am a producer now as <laughs> somehow i made i can make music that then can be heard and that changed so much because until today i'm always amazed by the fact that when i don't live anymore my music will always be there the shitty tracks the good tracks the <laughs> shitty sets the good sets the horrible videos and the great videos they're all going to be there <laughs> And it's nice because it's kind of you're making a statement in that moment. It's the, the time of your life, the emotions or the knowledge you put in. When I produced my first album, I didn't know that I'm producing an album. I just made so many tracks and sent them over and then they were like, it's an album. So I, I don't have that easy going anymore. So in, in that time I had like I had also no no plan on how a uh, track should sound or whatever. So I just just was super carefree. Mm. That changed a little bit <laughs> until today. <laughs> now I'm trying to be more structured and have an idea of, uh, of a style or direction. But the whole the whole idea of being able to make music that other people listen when they well, I say this example only break up because someone <laughs> wrote me that my tracks back then um, helped her through a breakup with That's the boyfriend nice. and, and I got like all kinds of messages or from people in the car or whatever now with the song now and it's it's so nice that because music means so much to my life as well I'm I'm constantly listening to music so I know what it means to have a certain track in your life that means something to you or that is becoming a soundtrack of your life or of your day or of your holidays or a time that you live in a certain city and you assign certain music to it and now I have tracks and people assign certain memories to my music. Mm. And that's super beautiful. And that's always amazing me. I was going to say, does it still feed you just as much to have this sort of listener feedback of people telling you that they like what you're doing? Like, would you continue to work the way that you work if nobody was listening? 100% mm. because I can I can only put out what's inside of me and mm -hmm. I'm super happy that people are actually listening, listening to it and liking it. But even if not, I, I wouldn't stop because it's a, it's a creative outlet for me. It's something I wear emotionally. Like I love to make music when I'm sad also, for example. I think there's this nice saying, art never comes from happiness. <laughs> and that's my very own sadness or happiness or melancholy wrapped in a song. But that that's for me to put it out. And then what later happens with it, I'm happy if other people can do something mm -hmm. with it. But if they wouldn't, if it would just stay somewhere in the shelf, I mean, that would be great too, because I could go back there and see, oh my God, I was really sad back then <laughs> in 97. No, <laughs> yeah. So how has it been for you 
How have you experienced your career as your audience has grown over the past, you know, several years? Um, like, have you ever felt the need to or maybe pressured to do things differently or like cater to, cater to your audience in a different way or something as you've become more and more successful? I, oh, that's a good topic, actually, because I think nowadays, unfortunately, social media plays such a big part. You can be the best DJ, not in the world, because probably people would know, <laughs> because that's why you're the best DJ in the world. But you can be a really good DJ. But if you miss out on a certain kind of, of, of presence out there, like you can't completely cut out any social appearance or anything where where if people couldn't find your music and people couldn't listen to you or or don't find out anything about you it doesn't have to be to know how you brush your teeth like some people <laughs> really take it very serious with the social media and they share everything and i think there they should be drawn a line also but what works for others doesn't have to work for me in the other way around mm. so everyone as they want it but i think with the time now, yeah, it's, it's, it feels a little bit of a challenge also. And there we are again in the topic of resistance. The more I should do something or have to do something, the less I want to do it. Mm. And I think I was always pretty good in social media because it was very natural and I liked it. I had fun doing it. I, I remember when I had my MySpace and discovered <laughs> all of this. And, yeah, MySpace. And... <laughs> And now it's just, it's it's very strategically, you need to know, or you should know what time you post or not. And mm. I'm like, oh, I, like, no, Takes the fun like, out of it. like, no, I don't want that. And uh, I, I post when I feel it. And sometimes I post three days in a row and then for a month is nothing. Mm. Or I take it down again if I really like, oh, no, that wasn't so, so honest. That felt like just to post something. Right. I don't want that. I think with the career these days, there's so many more DJs I think there always were but like now there's more which is great because everyone should have the chance and uh, technology makes it more easy people can be bedroom DJs and I'm I'm not a super um, I'm not one of these people that says it's only a DJ if he mixes vinyl so I mm. think every every media to create magic or create music wherever you want and however you want should be uh, valued and I think it's great that people in every corner of the world are able now to to make music and showcase the music. For me, social media helps for sure because I can I can share with my audience what I'm doing, like new productions or where I'm going. But I wish it wasn't such a key factor right now. I yeah. see a lot of DJs coming with Instagram profiles that were always so against it. Mm. And I know that they are against it, but I also know they want to survive as, as an artist yeah. and they want to be keep being in the game and want to be booked. And it's not for like, oh, I want more followers or anything. It's just like, I love DJing. I want to keep playing. How can I reach the promoters? Like, because they get overflown with, with, with so much that's happening right now. All these streams and mm. all these, yeah, every, everyone can, can make it now, which is also great. But if you're already established, to remain consistent or, or keep your, your career alive, it feels like you definitely have to be disciplined. Mm. <laughs> I'm about to say disciplined again. Do you think that there's a discipline required or 
maybe not required, but do you think there's a discipline involved in sort of keeping your head about you, like staying sort of grounded and staying true to yourself in an industry that is so social media reliant and like quite fickle at times? Um, for me, that was always a super important topic. I don't know why, but I was always terrified. And I told my friends back then, please, like if I change, if anything, <laughs> change, like let me know. And I have my very, very, very closest friends. They are making sure that <laughs> I don't turn or, or they made sure that I don't turn into someone that I don't want to know. And for me, it's very, very important to stay authentic because what do I have from a career that's built on something that I can't deliver like mm. that, that I showcase to the outside, but I don't feel it in the inside. And I rather show my my weak sides or failures or or. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's, I think it's also OK to 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 not be impeccable and to not be number one and perfect. And I'm actually happy if someone else is the number one because <laughs> that pressure is off for me. And I remember when I was was rising up in resident advisor back then, I think it was 2013 or something. I, and I was the highest ranking woman ever in the resident advisor charts. And I was so like, sorry to say that, but like I was really happy when they stopped doing those charts <laughs> because after this, I was like, okay, now I can only go way much higher so mm. to sustain and show I'm getting better by the year or it goes down. Yeah. And I was terrified. And I think I, one like year when you get up, to the top, then you have a lot longer to fall down. Yes, know? yes. It's something like this. And I hated it because people were like, oh, congratulations. This is amazing. And of course, a lot of bookings came with it, hmm. but a lot of responsibility. And I was like, oh, shit, how am I going to sustain this now? How, how am I maintaining what people see in me, what people want from me? And I think throughout my career, I, I did a lot of journeys around. I had to, like musically, I think I was always true to my style, but I played so many like I, I was testing around everywhere. I always I always made it a point to to see where where did I start? Who, who was the, the, the teeny mm. that started and who's the teeny now? Would I would I hang out? Would, I, would the teeny from back then <laughs> hang out with the teeny from now? <laughs> I mean, she got a little older, a bit age difference, but that's okay. But I think I, I maintain to, to completely stay myself and also throughout the work with, with the gang and always inviting new talent or back then new talent and now it's still the same talent, we're still friends. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's, it's, it's super important to not get lost in all these ego show. And mm. there's a lot and I think it's 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 totally not for me. I'm not um, strong enough, I think. Well, I'm very strong, but I don't want to get into this elbow and war where I have to maintain so much strength in order to keep my place. So for me, when, when it's getting too tight, the air is too tight, or I feel like <sighs> I have to, to be someone else than I want to, then I rather step back and I can breathe again. There's more space. I can move freely and, and I can be myself again. And I, mm. I did this a few times in my career where I actually stepped back, I would say. And it went for the better for me because then I could grow into another direction that was way more me. Do you feel like there have been times where, you know, you've had to play a set and you're not in the mood or you're not feeling your best and you have to kind of just go on and put on this brave face or like put on a smile when you're not really feeling it and does that feel inauthentic to you to do that i would totally lie if i say that never happened <laughs> because throughout 20 years there must be a moment where i'm not in a good mood i'm usually in a very good mood all the time <laughs> and 
that job passion life excites me a lot and music gives me a lot so mm. when i play it's 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 kind of healing as well so even if i'm in a grumpy mood before or or i i'm sad like there's times you're in a relationship and you're in a breakup and then you have to play a show and sure. you smile in front of three thousand people and actually all you want to do is like sit down and cry and then hug someone and <laughs> not feel alone and you're out there standing and you need to deliver a show and everyone making everyone have the best time of their night and you're like actually dying inside <laughs> so that's of course like that's only human and it would be crazy if there wasn't times where i'm feeling like that but luckily the main time like i'm not going through these feelings and like i said also when i start playing it changes my mood the music does something with me and i can forget mm. and at least i can stop the sadness for the time of the set it's really it's it's very therapeutic somehow and then in the second where i stop i fall back into the sadness like mm. I, i witnessed this a few times or in, in anger or or tiredness or grumpy or whatever like it, it doesn't happen often but i realize throughout the set it's not existent there's music in me and there's this greater thing happening and then whatever happens before and after is, is a different story so i don't think that i ever was like oh my god i'm not feeling this like i have to s smile even though i don't want to because i managed to just put myself in the right spot so in what other ways are you challenging yourself to stay open or kind of do things differently or i don't know keep yourself keep yourself open to new things in your career? Well, I think it's it's very important to go out every now and then and listen to music. Like I'm trying to find new artists in all directions. Like I get a lot of inspiration also from, from non-electronic music or, or ambient music. It can be, of course, also electronic. And I think there's no such thing as a formula to, to how, how to keep things fresh, but For me, I haven't lost any any kind of interest in everything. I'm always like terrified. What if my career ends or no, not? Not the career. What if I'm not able to DJ anymore? Let's say it like that. Like, oh, that, that would be a nightmare because I'm. I, I feel I still have so much to see and to learn and to discover. Because I don't think there's a moment where like, okay, I'm the perfect DJ now and I mm. got it. It's like if that would be the case, I would not be nervous and I would probably I don't know. I think it's great to have capacity to learn and also capacity for failure there's no such thing really it's like i'd like to to stay busy i love traveling i love to hang out with friends i like other people's ideas and and i think there can be inspiration in in everything not just in a certain thing it, it can come through meditation if you manage to <laughs> hold still for a second which is hard for me actually but there's there's many things i do i do would consider myself as a spiritual being also so maybe that helps as well mm. I, i have my my yeah some people always laugh about it i have my little rituals and i always arrive with um some incense my my little things how to get myself in the right setup yeah so i think If there's anything, it's everything that can help <laughs> me stay inspired. So you've been doing this for 20 years now, we said. So what are your hopes for the next 20 years? Play some more, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I said it earlier, the, the, the problem that happens now is the lower back pain. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely, like I started with yoga and all of these things where I was like, oh, I don't need it because I'm generally like 
<laughs> I always move around a lot. It's like I'm, I'm an active person, you would say. And I see now how after like a few hours of playing, I do have to start stretching. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, so but I will keep stretching because I want to keep playing. And there's still so much music to be found, like new people are producing more music. And I find so much old music, new music, like mm-hmm. it doesn't stop. So you find new music, you want to play it. It's, it's this thing like, oh, when, when, can I, when can I play those tracks that I found now? So I hope in the next 20 years that that people are still happy to invite me somewhere. It doesn't have to be big raves or or huge festivals or anything. It's I don't I don't want to set myself a goal to reach until I'm 60 then. Um it's rather whatever comes now on my way and what I can handle physically and mentally and emotionally I I'm going to keep doing what I did and I had a super long holiday now. I consider it holiday, the, the COVID uh, times and to, to reset and think about everything. And there was a moment where I thought, oh, I should do less. And maybe I will do it a little less because I played up to more than 100 shows a year, which mm. is quite, quite a lot. I was always out and about. And now I realized how it is to have a real life where you actually are able to attend in people's birthdays. You don't <laughs> miss everyone's birthday and you can see your family when you want to and your friends mm-hmm. when you want. You can run into friends in the city like that wasn't possible before. It was always a very tight schedule. I'm here now. We have to meet because yeah, I'm leaving yeah, yeah. again. And I was always on tour like to, to an absolute crazy, crazy mm-hmm. extent. And I loved it. And I felt a little bit like an old car that you stopped in the <laughs> pandemic. I'm like, holy shit, how am I going to restart that? And, and I wasn't sure if, if I want to restart it or how. But now that everything, I see the videos again, I see the events again of other people and, and I have my my gigs uh, rolled up in the calendar and I'm like, okay, I want to do this again. <laughs> Maybe to a different extent to, to have a little bit more actually balance, yeah. passion life balance. <laughs> But yeah, for me, it's such a big part of me. I can cannot imagine to 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 leave that completely and say, okay, I hang my DJ bag on the nail. <laughs> I'm out of here. That's not gonna happen. been listening to teeny for air podcast episode 36 we'll be back on the last wednesday of every month so check back again in august for another episode in the meantime you can follow us on instagram at at underscore air podcast or visit us on patreon at patreon.com slash air podcast to find out how you can support what we're doing if you're enjoying air and you'd like to hear more stories like these ones check out bear radio berlin's english-speaking podcast network Air is produced in partnership with Bear Radio, which is home to dozens of other great shows. A recent discovery of mine is On the Green Fence, a bi-weekly show in which reporter Neil King explores the ever more urgent environmental issues we're facing. Another bi-weekly show, The Afro Comb Podcast, follows host Ropa as she speaks with different people of African descent living in Europe. There are currently 24 podcasts and hundreds of episodes available for you, so head to bearradio.org to listen. 
See you again in August for episode 38. And thanks for listening.